Amen. And Lord, we do indeed look to you this morning as we come and we gather around your word. We pray that you would speak directly to our hearts, that we would hear the voice of God. Lord, I even pray that as your word is proclaimed, that the spirit of God would move from house to house, from heart to heart. And Lord, that you would deal with us as your people this morning. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Give us ears to hear and courage to put into action that which you have said, you're saying to us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen. I wonder, it's coming up to lunchtime. I want to encourage you. I know that many of you are looking forward to your lunch just now. Stay with us. God has a great word for us this morning. Uh, I believe it's a very challenging word for our hearts. So let's press in together. Let's put away the distractions and let's focus in. And I want, it's coming up to lunchtime, so I want to ask you, have you ever had a meal that was just, oh... Oh, Chloe and I recently ate out for the first time in months at uh, Sugar Ray's in Dundonald and it was perhaps the most tasty meal I've ever had. I don't know whether that's to do with the fact that we hadn't ate out in so long or uh, whether it was just simply that good, but it just transformed my understanding of what a meal should taste like. It was just incredible and maybe you have your favourite foods that you enjoy. Maybe you're going to be having a roast dinner this afternoon. And if you are, give us a phone and Chloe and I will be around shortly uh, because we're allowed to do that now. Um, but food is a big part of my life. I, I love food. I have no shame in saying that. I've always loved food. Um, I was watching mum and dad's service in Wrightsville in Georgia, USA last week. And dad shared that whenever I was born, the, the, nurse, the midwives, the nurses, they gave me four ounces of milk and I cried for more. Food's, food's awesome, right? And uh, some, of, some of the most important moments of my life have happened around food. And our story this morning, our scripture this morning from Acts chapter 10, it takes place and is a lunchtime that changed Peter's life forever. It was a lunchtime that changed Peter's life forever. You see, the day before, a man called Cornelius, a centurion, uh, an Italian who was residing in Caesarea, was stationed um, in Caesarea as the Romans were occupying Israel in those days. He was a, a God-fearing man. Whilst not a Jew, he worshipped the God of Israel. And he came before him in the place of prayer. And uh, a vision of an angel of the Lord came to him and spoke to him and said, God has heard your prayers and you are to send for a man, Simon, called Peter, who is residing in Joppa at the house of Simon the Tanner. Send for him. So Cornelius, the good God-fearing man he is, having heard from the angel of the Lord, having had this direct message from God given to him, he goes and he gets his men and he sends them off to Joppa. He sends them to go and get Peter. And we pick up our reading this morning at Acts chapter 10 verses 9 to 16 and we read these words. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. So that's 12 noon. 
around lunchtime. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and he saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Amen. And we trust and pray and believe that the Lord will add his blessing to the public declaration of his word this morning. This is a strange passage of scripture. And if read in isolation, it remains an incredibly strange passage of scripture. But as we continue through the chapter, we see that this vision that Peter has, has an eternal significance that even the ripple effects are being felt today. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a ripple effect of this. You are one of the ripple effects of this vision. You see, something that we truly miss in our 21st, Western context, 21st century Western context is that Peter was a devout Jew. He had grown up a Jew in Galilee. He had learned the traditions of the Jewish people. He had uh, followed the traditions of the Jewish people and put them into practice all of his life. Even though he had come to know Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior, even though he had walked and talked with Jesus Christ both before and after his resurrection, Peter is still a Jew. He's a messianic Jew who now belongs to the way, in fact, who is a leader in the way, the, the people of God. But he is a Jew at heart. He is still a practicing Jew, but he is a Jew who follows Jesus Christ. And Jewish law and custom dictated some very specific and detailed and tight restrictions and regulations regarding the consumption of food, the washing of food, the preparation of food, the washing and preparation that you also needed to undertake before you could partake of food. These were not requests, but these were commands that had been passed down from generation to generation after God had given them explicitly to Moses. And we read of these laws in Leviticus chapter 11, verses 1 to 47. And each Jew was expected to abide by them. They were part of the Mosaic law. They weren't a request. They were a command. They were the law. So when Peter gets this vision, as he's found in the place of prayer, as he has this vision of a sheet descending from heaven, containing all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air, this is bizarre. It's incredibly left field. It doesn't make sense. 
And it makes even less sense to Peter whenever he hears the voice from heaven saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And his initial knee-jerk reaction to this situation in which he finds himself is to go, No, I'm not allowed. But the law says this. I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. In other words, I'm a good Jew. I can't do that. Why are you asking me to do this? I wonder if Peter thought it was a test. But I also wonder if Peter had forgotten that he had heard the words of Jesus as he walked and talked with him during his earthly ministry and would have heard the words of Jesus say that he had not come to abolish the law, but he had come to fulfill the law. And in him was the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. I wonder if he had forgotten that he had heard the words of Jesus when Jesus was tested by a teacher of the law and asked what the greatest commandment was. He replied and said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your body and with all your mind. And that the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two laws hangs all the law and the prophets. Love God, love people. Jesus, the fulfillment of the law. Peter's reaction is, but the law says I can't. My hands are tied. Oh, oh no. But in reality, the one who had came to fulfill the law was the same one who told him to rise, kill and eat. Peter does not in any way deny that Jesus is speaking to him here. In fact, he knows. He addresses him as Lord. He addresses him as Lord. And God is speaking clearly to Peter. But I wonder if you've ever been in a situation just like Peter was in this moment. Where you know God is speaking to you, but you don't like what he's saying. Maybe you've been in the place of prayer and you've been seeking after God. Maybe you have a decision to make regarding your career or your family or your health circumstances. Maybe you are faced with trials on every side and you come before God and you pray that he would release you from the chains in which you find yourself and you are faced with an answer from God that is not the one that you wanted. That's what Peter faces here. You see, Peter knew this. He knew Jesus well enough to know that this was about way more than lunch. Yes, it was to do with the fulfillment of the Jewish law. Yes, it was to do with what could be eaten and what could not. But but it was to do with way more than lunch. And we're going to find out as we continue through the chapter that it definitely had way more to do than just lunch. You see, in this moment, Peter was comfortable. Things were going good. 
the church was growing and the Jewish tradition was being upheld even within the way, even within the people of the way. And I really was seeking God on this and I felt God say to me that Peter's traditions and his prejudices were more important and precious to him than the heart of God for his people in this moment. And I also felt God say, so are yours. So are yours. I was like, no God, I, I love people. I love telling people about Jesus. He says, yeah, but perhaps your traditions, your way of doing things, your prejudices, even though they're unconscious, you don't make a conscious decision to sideline people, but, but maybe, maybe you are anyway. Your traditions and your prejudices are more important and precious to us than the heart of God for his people. I pray that that will not be said of us as a church. Right now, it is no, uh, no secret that we are in an ever-changing world with ever-changing circumstances. And the Old Testament prophets even spoke of a God who was doing a new thing. As we come out of lockdown, as we move towards um, a new normal, which is, seems to be all that we're hearing just now, could it be that God is doing a new thing? Could it be that God is taking this situation and doing exactly what the book of Romans and the whole council of scripture says that he will do. That he would work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Could it be that God is doing a new thing in our midst? Could it be that God is calling us to a new way of living? Could it be even, and may I be so bold, to say that could it be that God is calling us to a new way to do church? Could it be that God is calling us back to our roots? Do you remember what happened on that day of Pentecost when 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ? But that wasn't the most significant thing that happened on that day. The most significant thing that happened on that day was that the Holy Spirit of God fell upon the people. And then, and then, and only then, 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. And the Lord added to their, daily, to their numbers daily those who were being saved. But they were a people who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God, to prayer, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, to communion, to celebrating the Lord's death and resurrection until he comes again. Could it be, could it be that in this season of corona, in this season of life in which we find ourselves and are coming out of the other end of in these days, could it be that God is calling us back to being that church that he has always, always commanded us to be? Over these past 18 weeks, yes, 18 
weeks, perhaps even 19 weeks, we have not been together physically in a church building. We have truly had to exist as the church without walls. And next week in our service, we're going to have an announcement about what a return to physical gatherings is going to look like and when that's going to take place. But could it be that in this moment, in this season, God is saying your traditions and your prejudices, your way of doing things, they cannot be more important than what I want to do in your midst. They say that the seven words of any dying church are we've never done it that way before. Could it be that God is calling us back to our roots? Could it be that God is calling us to step out into the unknown with him? To try new things to never, ever step away and outside of the word and will of God, but to try and reach people where they're at. Didn't Jesus say to his disciples, go? We no longer live in a culture of build it and they'll come. What would it look like if we put our traditions and our prejudices to the side and we went to reach the last, the lost and the least. Those who are most far off. Those whom we have perhaps socially, societally and perhaps even unconsciously built prejudices against in our minds. What would it, be like? What would it look like if we were to go and reach them in the name of Jesus Christ? Maybe God like he was with Peter, is calling us to rise, kill, and eat. Rise, kill, and eat. A.W. Tozer wrote about a hundred years ago, but it could have been written yesterday. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. Let's be a church that is guided by the Holy Spirit of God, not by the way that we've always done things. Let's be frank and let's be honest. We have a 900 seater building that is not being filled is not being anywhere near filled to capacity. I remember the late John McClelland telling me of how when he was younger and attended the church in McGeehan. And on Sunday mornings, they had to put extra seats out to fit everybody in. What's happened? What's happened? Well, we could say that all oh, society's changed. Church isn't important in society anymore. Could it be that God is calling us back to our roots and calling us 
to use and utilize the building that we have to reach the people of God, to go and get them. The book of Hosea, I'm really going off script, but I don't care. The book of Hosea talks of a man of God who went to the most despicable places to reach his wife for the kingdom. His wife who had fallen back into prostitution. His wife who had returned to her life of sin. And he went to the most despicable places. Places where a man of God should not have been seen. And he went and he reached his wife for the kingdom. And he went boldly to others with the message of God. What would it look like if we were a church who went to the most despicable places? Places where people of God should not be seen. Because maybe it's time to rise, kill and eat. Maybe it's time to get on board with what God is trying to do in and through us in these days. Traditions are important and I am so glad to be part of a church that places such emphasis on mission and holiness. And we always will. Because it aligns with the heart of God and the word of God. Traditions are important but they're not as important as obedience to the spirit of God which will never contradict the will of will or word of God. It's tradition is not as important as obedience to the spirit of God and to his promptings. And when we are faithful, when we listen, and when we do, that faithfulness is followed up by faithfulness. Uh, faithfulness produces fruitfulness. So let's stop calling unclean what God has made clean and declared clean. Let's tear down the traditions that prohibit following the Spirit of God. And let's get on board with what God is doing and is calling us to do in these days. Because as we continue through and move on to our second point very quickly, Peter obeys the command of God. And as we continue through the chapter, Cornelius's men arrive. Peter takes them in to his home, which was against Jewish tradition and against Jewish custom. He had them stay over, which meant that they would have shared a meal together, which was just a huge no-no. But remember, don't call unclean that which God has made clean. And then he journeys back to Caesarea with them to Cornelius' house, taking some of his own men with him on the way. When he arrives, he is greeted by Cornelius and a selection of Cornelius' friends and family. And Cornelius runs to him, falls at his feet and begins to worship him. And Peter reminds Cornelius that he is merely a man and that only God should be worshipped. But then Peter shares what God had said to him in his vision. 
And we pick up our reading at verse 34 for this. It says, So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people. And to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness. That everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Amen. Amen. Peter declares amongst the Roman audience that Jesus is Lord of all. This was a title that was given in the Greco-Roman world for the emperor. It was reserved for the emperor. But here Peter reiterates the divinity of Jesus. His position as the Messiah and his mission of salvation that could come only through him. And that was available to everyone who believes. But Peter was a Jew. The Jews were the people of God. They were God's chosen people. But here, Peter speaks the words that were given to him by the Spirit of God. Words which were spoken by Jesus Christ himself. That everyone who believes in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that there is forgiveness for everyone who believes. <coughs> in reality, and on paper, Peter shouldn't even be here. He should not have been mixing with the enemy. He shouldn't have been behind enemy lines. A Jew does not mix with a Roman centurion. A Roman centurion was a figure of oppression. He was one of the leaders of the enemy. But here, Peter, a man of the way, a Jew, stands with a centurion and with his gathered friends and family. In this moment, Peter is making himself ceremonially unclean under the Jewish law, but he cared not an iota. Previously, he had said, but the law says, I'm a good, God-fearing, law-following Jew. I've never eaten anything that's unclean or common. But he, suddenly he doesn't care. He doesn't give a jot. He doesn't give an iota. And do you know why? Because he was being obedient to the spirit 
of God. God spoke to him and transformed his heart. God moved in his life in such a way that he did not care for the scorn of his fellow Jews. He did not care that he was breaking with tradition. They would have viewed him as a rebel. They would have viewed him as a disappointment. But Peter did not care because to him, obedience to the Spirit was more important than the traditions and the prejudice which he had formed in his own life. And church, we need to recognise and we need to realise that sometimes the agenda of our traditions and our prejudices and our practices and the social norms, sometimes those things and the will and call of God will not be compatible. And we're going to have to choose. We're going to have to choose. And it's my prayer that as the pastor of this church that I will always choose the will of God and that we as the church of Jesus Christ here at McGeehan in East Belfast that we will always choose the will of God in our lives that we would be a people who reach out to the least the lost and the last that we would be a people who look past what society says who look past what we feel is right, what we've always done, what's comfortable, and we would press in to what the Spirit of God is doing in our midst. We would go where the Spirit of God goes. That we would be a church that welcomed people from every single walk of life that we would be a church that reflect the heart of God John Perkins um, a civil rights activist says this an incredible man of God says Jesus intentionally brought together disciples who were different fishermen tax collectors not people who would naturally love each other but he did this to show us what love looks like in practice we have the privilege of putting the same kind of love on display as we love those who don't look like us are we loving people who don't look like us are we loving people who don't think like us or dress like us or even talk like us are we writing people off because they don't fit the traditions and the prejudices that we have built up in our own lives? Do you remember what Pastor Jack was sharing with us last week of Saul, who was so far gone, who was persecuting the church, yet he had an encounter with Jesus Christ and his life was transformed forever and he went on to write the majority of the Old Te New Testament sorry, and was perhaps the greatest missionary other than Jesus that we have ever, ever seen or heard tell of. It would have been traditional to write Paul off 
Ananias did. And then God spoke to him. And Ananias said, Brother Saul. He recognised that he was now a member of the way. What would it look like for us as a church to step outside of our comfort zone? What would it look like for us as a church to be truly the church without walls? Being the church without walls means so much more than not just gathering physically like we have been over these past weeks. But being the church without walls means that we are so much more than our building, but that we are the people of God on mission, where God has placed us in our spheres of influence. May we put our traditions and our prejudices that we have built up that write people off, may we put them aside and may we align ourselves with the will and the, with the word of God. May we be a people who reflect the heart of God. And the heart of God is for people. Do you remember that old song we used to sing? It's maybe not politically correct anymore, but it said, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Yeah, you know that one? Do you remember that one? It's all inclusive. God's heart is for people. Notice it doesn't say God's heart is for educated people or that God's heart is for Protestant people, that God's heart is for white people, that God's heart is for men. God's heart is for people. And that's all inclusive, every race, every creed, every belief every way of living. God's heart is for people. And until we, as the people of God, align our hearts with his, nothing's going to happen. In fact, if we don't align our hearts with his, we may as well shut up shop and go home. But know this, his heart and his plans are still to prosper. God's not forgotten about us. And God has not forgotten about those whom he sends us to. You see, Peter's lunch changed everything. A lunch that there's actually no record of him getting. But he was in a place of prayer at lunchtime. And everything changed. And you remember me saying at the start that if you are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, that you are a ripple effect of that, even right now. And we read why in verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Then they asked him to remain for some days. The Gentiles have their own Pentecost here. The Spirit of God is poured out on them and they are welcomed into the church through their baptism. Those who were once far off, those who were once considered enemies are now considered brothers and sisters. Those who were looked down upon are now called brother and sister. This is the hope of the gospel. The last, the lost and the least, those who seem far off can be brought into the kingdom of God, but the church must go. The church must go. Here's a challenge for us. As we begin to make preparations to meaningfully go, and to be the hands and feet of Christ. To share his message of hope in our everyday, in our spheres of influence, and in our community here in East Belfast. Peter used his lunch break to pray. And God spoke and things were never the same ever again. Cornelius had a vision and God spoke. Cornelius, just like Peter, was a man who was found in the place of prayer. I know that you're watching this, and for so long you have longed for the Spirit of God to be poured out in a significant way, in a way that is transformational, and in a way that changes things forever. We long to see the Spirit of God poured out, but we must first be found in the place of prayer. God speaks to his people through his word, but God also speaks to his people in the place of prayer. And Peter and Cornelius were both men found in the place of prayer. And God spoke and things were never the same. Things were never the same. So what would it look like to make prayer a priority in your life today? What would it look like? Leonard Ravenhill said, if you let the fires go out in the boiler room of the church, the place will still look smart and clean. But it'll be cold. We know, we know all about that here. Let's be honest, the heating's been broken enough times. Then he goes on and he says, the prayer room is the boiler room. For its spiritual life. If we want to be a people who are spiritually on fire for God, if we want to be the church that goes and makes an impact with the message of reconciliation and forgiveness and salvation that comes through Jesus Christ alone, we must be a people who are found in the place of prayer, a people who are looking to God and allowing Him to be our vision in these days. So rise, kill, and eat. Let's get to the business of prayer, and let's walk in step with the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen.